So hello and welcome to the Field Fisher Commercial Law Podcast. My name is Gordon Drakes. I'm a partner based in the London office of Field Fisher, specialising in franchising and commercial law. Today we're going to be talking about the new Dutch Franchise Act, which is expected to enter into law um, the 1st of January 2021. Um, with this act now coming into force, the Netherlands now sits alongside other European countries that have introduced franchise-specific regulations such as Sweden, Estonia, Spain, Romania, France, Italy and Belgium. Fortunately, Phil Fisher is blessed to have Manish Bal, who is um, a partner in our Phil Fisher Amsterdam office, who is, specializes in competition and commercial law and is here today to talk us through and walk us through the key changes and uh, proposals in the new Dutch Franchise Act. So Manish, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, first of all, Manish, if you, if you could, would you would you mind starting by giving us um, an overview of the the franchise sector uh, in the Netherlands and uh, just giving us a flavour of some of the the success stories of any kind of domestic brands or foreign brands that are that are currently active there? Yeah, sure, uh, absolutely, Gordon. Uh, thank you very much. Um, well, the franchise sector already is is a uh, quite a commonly understood business model here. Uh, there are um, it's definitely not new. Uh, franchisees uh, and franchise formulas exist uh, uh, in various sectors uh, throughout the country. Uh, most notably, I guess, uh, the, the important ones or, or the most common ones would be in personal services. So um, financial services, accounting, real estate, but also hairdressers. Uh, uh, personal services organizations, we call them uh, food uh, and beverages. Uh, so the um, uh, international and national uh, restaurant chains, uh, hospitality and hotels, uh, fashion, uh, non-food items, uh, furniture and fittings, kitchens, bathrooms, uh, uh, healthcare uh, sectors, so opticians, childcare, uh, assisted living for the elderly even. Uh, all of these uh, um, have franchised uh, uh, activities uh, and, and, and uh, franchisees involved. Uh, I think um, I, I looked up the, the figures. There are around 870 franchise formulas active in the Netherlands. Um, this means that there are around almost 400,000 people uh, employed by uh, franchised uh, companies. Uh, the revenues are well in excess of 55 billion euros. Uh, so the franchise sector as a whole and the franchise business model as a whole is, uh, is of considerable importance to the, uh, to the Dutch uh, economy. Um, so there are both foreign and local success stories. Uh, uh, quite an important uh, um, franchised uh, example in the Netherlands is Ahold. Uh, these are the Albert Heijn supermarkets and um, uh, it's a very old and very successful Dutch uh, company, Albert Heijn. And um, it's, it's, um, uh, it, it has worked for, for many, many years uh, with a fixed store formula uh, uh, to be operated by independent entrepreneurs. Uh, they have been very and fully committed to the franchise model. 
uh, and um, uh, the young promising store managers were always able uh, to become franchisees uh, with the support of Albert Hyde. So, um, because this supermarket chain is, is, is very successful, um, the franchise model itself has is quite positive associations uh, in the Netherlands, and a few of these franchisees, these individuals, uh, like Van der Tweel, uh, Ten Hove, Polemans, have actually uh, been listed in, in, in uh, the Netherlands as uh, in their own right, as uh, uh, some of the most uh, successful individuals and businessmen. Mm -hmm. Interesting. No, thank you for that overview. That's very that's very interesting. It sounds like the Netherlands has a, a very kind of mature um, franchise um, sector already, which which leads me on to the next question, really, which is um, as with many of the other countries I mentioned in in Europe who have franchise-specific laws already, often one of the main motivations is is to address some kind of perceived or, or actual inequity in the franchise or franchisee relationship. So with the Dutch Franchise Act, what, what do you think is the main motivation or objective behind this act? Why do you think um, uh, the government thought that it was necessary to introduce some legislation now? Yeah, well, I think that the, the same pretty much applies here. Uh, the, the, the objective was to create a, a level, a more level playing field to create a solid uh, statutory protection for franchisees. So although um, franchisees and the franchise model has existed here for many years, uh, there was no specific uh, um, explicit rather protection uh, or, or statutory framework. Um, uh, for franchisees, and um, th there was this desire to to protect their positions. Now, of course, as I've just said, actually there are very powerful franchisees as well now in the Netherlands, which have been uh, 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 created. So it was a, a little bit controversial, but uh, the objective um, uh, was indeed to create a level playing field, uh, to strengthen the position of the franchisees, uh, in, uh, in 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 their business relationships vis-à-vis -vis the the franchisors. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so, in terms of what's actually in the the Dutch um, Franchise Act, um, could you summarise and walk us through some of the the, the key the key points that yeah. would be of interest to our listeners? Um, now, what are the main points? Um, the 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 we, we should divide it into a few. Uh, so generally, uh, a, a, a important provision is that it, the uh, protection and the act is mandatory. Okay, so um, there's no way anyone can deviate from the provisions of the new Dutch Franchise Act. Even if a franchise agreement is governed by foreign law, so for example, English law, uh, if the uh, relationship has its uh, um, uh, effects in the Netherlands. If the parties are based in the Netherlands, the Dutch Franchise Act uh, is mandatory law. So that's the first point. And then the the three other sort of main uh, points I would say are the number one, the, the provisions on uh, pre-contractual exchange of information and the cooling off period. So there will be an obligation to disclose in a timely manner all information which may be reasonably relevant for the other party. 
so for example, the franchisor uh, is required to provide detailed financial information uh, uh, on its, uh, f uh, uh, its financial background, as well as the financial information relating to uh, the franchise and, uh, in question. So it has to be based on careful and thorough location surveys. Um, the franchisor is also obliged to perform due diligence on the franchisee with regard to the franchisee's qualities and resources. Uh, and then within this pre-contractual exchange of information uh, part, there's also a cooling off period. A franchisor must give a franchisee, uh, and this is for all relationships, huh? all franchisee relationships, even if there are powerful franchisees involved, a period of at least four weeks uh, in which the franchisee will be able to review everything uh, and assess its obligations and risks. Uh, and during this four-week cooling off period, the terms of the proposed agreement uh, cannot be changed unless the changes favor the franchisee. If I could just uh, second, interject, sir. Yeah, sure. Sorry, sure. Uh, just on the, on the disclosure itself, is there a prescribed format that, that's being required under the Act, or is it just a, is it more just a general obligation so a franchise all just has to take a, a common sense view about what they disclose? Well, um, detailed financial information is required, and um, uh, th there is a, 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 a uh, explanatory memorandum uh, uh, um, which gives some more details about the Act. And um, uh, so, although it's arguable that audited yeah, accounts, for example, may not be required, uh, I would imagine that most recent uh, uh, financial information, most recent uh, uh, accounts prepared uh, or annual reports prepared uh, uh, for a company would be would be needed. Thanks. And uh, then uh, in terms of termination of a franchise relationship, uh, there are provisions uh, uh, regarding goodwill uh, which uh, should be paid uh, to the franchisee. Uh, each franchise agreement should include a provision relating to goodwill and a, um, the goodwill arrangement uh, should uh, specify how the goodwill value is to be uh, determined and how a franchisee is to be uh, paid for the goodwill which is generated. Uh, Non-competition clauses, uh, uh, the Act uh, limits non-competition clauses to one year after termination uh, of a franchise agreement uh, and their scope can only cover uh, the geographic territory uh, of the franchisee, so it cannot be too broad. Uh, so the specific, sorry, uh, to, to clarify, the specific geographic territory uh, where the franchisee was allowed to operate its business during the franchise relationship. And if I could, uh, again, if I could just interject mm -hmm. on the mm -hmm. on that point of termination, with the the value of the goodwill, that's quite an unusual one for, for, yeah. for in comparison to mm -hmm. some other jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do we do we have any more insight or information as to is that is that something that applies only um, on expiry, or even right. if the franchisee's yeah. being presumably not yeah. if the franchisee's been terminated for breach? And do we know what, what the basis of a goodwill calculation might be? 
Right. So, so like the uh, financial information, which has to be clear and reasonable uh, uh, and detailed, um, a lot of these provisions, you know, we don't know how exactly they will be interpreted. Okay. So what the Act says is that it creates a goodwill obligation towards the franchisee, but it does say that uh, each agreement should include such a provision. Uh, it doesn't really say, uh, and says that it, the provision should be clear on how uh, goodwill is determined and how uh, franchisees are remunerated. Uh, uh, it's more about uh, covering this point and um, uh, rather than um, uh, setting out in detail how uh, it, 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 it would be calculated. I don't know. Negotiation point. I think so. I think so. But uh, as you pointed out, not all uh, franchise acts in Europe have such a goodwill obligation. Mm. Thank you. So please continue. And then the last one is uh, uh, important provision to bear in mind is inter interim uh, modifications and amendments of an ongoing agreement. Uh, and for the first time, the, the Dutch Franchise Act requires prior consent uh, of a majority of franchisees uh, or uh, all franchisees if there is no uh, uh, franchise, uh, franchisee association um, to any material changes to the franchise formula and policies. Uh, which could significantly affect franchisees uh, and which uh, would un, 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 uh, involve costs or a loss of turnover. Um, and, and they can specify, again, the agreement can specify the threshold for which this prior consent is needed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, so uh, the prior consent is needed, uh, so that's an obligation. Uh, but the actual thresholds, there's some room for maneuver there. Okay. Again, a, 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 quite an unusual, an unusual yeah. aspect of the yeah. legislation. So yeah. To kind of a, effectively kind of um, yeah. uh, take, well, not not necessarily take control, but but kind of put some kind of limit on the franchisor's ability to to make changes about the system. It it now it now has to actively put something into the agreement. Yeah. To recognize um, that it needs yeah. to carry the majority of the network with it. Yeah. And again, they, uh, it was a, a sort of a balancing act. Uh, there is a need to protect uh, the position of, of weak uh, franchisees. Even, even uh, stronger franchisees often feel that uh, actually they cannot really make uh, a lot of uh, objections uh, because of the uh, leverage of franchisors and uh, the fact that they they depend highly on the working relationships with the franchisor, but uh, so, so um, some sort of pre prior consent was needed. But on the other hand, um, this does give some uh, some opportunity for uh, the parties to before a relationship is started to decide on a threshold as to when prior consent would be needed. Thank you. Um, which, which kind of that leads me really then to my, my the last question, which is um, focused around what franchisors need to do 
next? I mean, clearly from what you said, if if a franchise or particularly a foreign franchise is looking to enter the Dutch market, yeah. it's clear now that the, the rules have changed and they will need to look at getting a disclosure document in place and also having their agreements reviewed and amended to to pick up those some of those particular points you've mentioned around around goodwill and also this consent threshold. Um, but I so I guess two things really are, th are there any other 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 than that is there anything else that a franchisor's need to do in this stage and and also what would you say for a franchisor that has an existing mm -hmm. um, franchise relationship in the Netherlands presumably this will this act only um, come in come into play when they come up for a renewal or when they're granting new no, rights? No, no, because as of uh, when the act comes into force and we, we expect it, we are almost sure it will enter into force on uh, the 1st of January next year, so 2021, the act will be binding. Okay, it will be mandatory Dutch law. Uh, there will be a a transitional period of two years for three provisions, that's goodwill, uh, um, uh, post-contractual non-compete, mm -hmm. and the prior consent. So the three, let's say, most important uh, uh, provisions will have a two-year uh, transitional period where those three will not be binding. But the act, the, all the rest of the act, including, for example, the disclosure, disclosure, sorry, requirements that we talked about, uh, will be binding. So, um, so if there is a current agreement, and it, uh, and if it is still uh, the current agreement is in force on the first of January, it will have to comply with this act, even if that means that uh, certain of its provisions are. are uh, uh, are not um, uh, if certain of its provisions are in conflict with the act those provisions will no longer be enforceable mm -hmm. okay so the message there then really is that as of the the 1st of January 2021 which went which is when we we're, we're pretty sure that this will come into force franchises really need to take steps before they then to to get their agreements reviewed even if say they've got their they're, they're not going to have a renewal for another four or five years. They need to yes. actually take advice now to understand um, Absolutely. What, the, what the changes are. Yeah. Absolutely, because uh, even uh, the, the, the three provisions which will come into uh, effect after the two-year transitional period, I mean, they will come into effect. So uh, franchisers who are here for the long term, the mid to the long term, uh, for sure uh, need to uh, um, understand how this act affects their current agreements and how uh, they, they should uh, negotiate any new agreements. Um, and, and look, the, the, the act, I mean, th these are all the like specific uh, provisions of the act which, which, we, which we have um, high, on a high level looked at. Um, but there's also um, soft uh, pr uh, provisions like a principle of good franchiser and good franchisee um, and and even uh, during negotiations franchisers and actually franchisees uh, uh, need to understand that they have certain ob obligations uh, uh, to treat the other party reasonably and, and fairly and uh, have to be quite cautious when providing uh, information uh, to the other party or, or actually omitting to provide uh, information to the other party. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting indeed. No, thank you for that um, overview, Manish. I think that's um, that's very helpful, and certainly um, lots. I think food for thought there for for franchisors um, in terms of what they need to do in the coming months to either prepare for a market entry or to look at their current contracts uh, that they have that are in force in the Netherlands to make sure that they're they're fit for purpose going forward. But thank you very much for your for your time and for your contribution and. Um, Thank you, um, everyone else, for, for listening, and I hope that's been of help. And if you do have any any questions or follow-up queries um, specifically in relation to this issue, please do feel free to reach out to either myself or, or Manish Bal, and our details will be um, attached to the um, uh, the summary of this podcast. But thank you for thank listening, you. and thank you, Manish. Thank, thanks a lot, Gordon. Thank, thank you. My, my pleasure.